Exodus chapter 3, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 3 and chapter 4 today. Um, a little different message, but um, I promise I'm not going to read through both of those chapters. That would, that would be, that would be well, turn to Leviticus chapter 8 through 12. We'll read all of it. No, we'll go a little easier on you this morning. So Exodus chapter 3, and a very simple message this morning. I, I, I think it's simple. We'll see what, what, what happens here, but... Um, uh, as I was preparing, I've been preparing for a couple of weeks for what I was going to preach this morning, and I came to Thursday and just hit a roadblock. And the Lord, I, I think the Lord told me that it's not time to preach that. So that, that's going to be for next week, and the, we, we, uh, we, we went a different direction. So hold on. Here we go, okay? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right, okay. All right, so Exodus chapter 3 and 4, you can turn there. We'll be reading there in just a moment. The title of the message is, is simply this, Here's Your Sign. I'm not even going to try to explain it. You'll figure this out as we go through the message this morning. But last week we learned about humility. We talked about humility, and, and we learned how the Lord humbled himself and he served others. He served us. He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross, and, and he did that for our sin to make not a way, but make the way for our salvation. Without the Lord's death on that cross, we're hopelessly lost. If he's not God in flesh, we're hopelessly lost. If he didn't live a sinless life, he wasn't virgin born. All of those things, he, all of those things came together and he made the way for us to go to heaven and to be saved. It was through him, through him that we could be reconciled to God. But the Lord showed us in that his humility and we saw his attitude. And Matthew 20, 28 says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And we see that. That is the heart of Christ. He came to die for us, but he came to serve. He didn't come to be waited on hand and foot. He came to serve. And the Lord taught us that we're to be like him in mind. Let this mind be in you. We saw in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But it's that mind of humility. We're to have that same attitude. I'm going to hit it now, Cliff. I just saw you. And, it, and it, we were joking last week after the message that when I, when I mentioned something about Cliff, I should have said this, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. And that's what Cliff struggles with. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. And, uh, but we're, we're truly to have this heart, this mind, this mind that Christ had of humility, not only in our mindset, but also in our actions and our obedience. Do you understand that obedience comes from humility? And, and even sitting in here this morning, you know, I often pray before I hear someone preach or I hear someone teach. I pray, Lord, give me a humble spirit that I can hear what is said. And that I, in that humility, I can be obedient to respond to, Lord, what you want me to do. So it starts with that mindset of humility, that which then leads into our actions and our obedience. So John chapter 12, verse 25 says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life for this, in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, excuse me, will honor. There's, there's scripture there that just teaches us that as we serve him, if we love him, we're going to serve him. As we serve him, we'll follow him. We're going to be where he is. We're, going to, we're, we're not going to be in places that he's not. We're going to be where he is. John 14, 21, he who, ha he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. 
And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Boy, what a great promise there that God loves us when we love, we keep and we love the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we do what he's told us to do. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So the Lord, he modeled service to the disciples and he told them to serve one another. In John chapter 13, this is a story you're all very familiar with. So when he had washed their feet, Taking his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? Do, do you know what I've done to you? Is what he said. Now, they're all thinking, well, you washed our feet. You, 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 you know, and someone else should have done that. There should have been a servant provided to wash their feet when they came in. They didn't do the job. Somebody laid down on the job there. But then not a one of those disciples did what should have been done in humbling himself to wash their feet. So what did the Lord Jesus Christ, God in flesh, what did he do? He didn't say, hey, so-and-so, wash their feet. He got up took a, a towel on a basin, and he washed their feet. God Almighty washed lowly, sinful servants' feet. And then he says this, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And I've shared with y'all before that that word ought is more than, more than just, you know, we, we say ought. I ought to do that. You know, I ought to, I ought to go cut the grass. Uh, we use that word wrong because the real meaning there, what it pushes is this, that you also ought to wash one another's feet. There's a moral obligation there. That's what the Lord is saying. If I, the Son of God, has washed your feet, you ought to go now and do as I've done and wash one another's feet. And it is really the Lord has given us there. He's given us the model, but he's given us a mandate to serve one another. He says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He gave that challenge to them. But folks, that challenge wasn't just to those disciples sitting there. It was to the disciples sitting here in this room today. And this commandment was for us as well. And if, if I'm a believer, simply put, I am to serve. I'm to serve. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us, speaking of the Lord, has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Listen, God has a plan for your life. He has a plan. Long before he ever moved in creation, he had a plan. His plan was to save you, and his plan was to use you in ministry. That is his plan. And, and so each one of us, he has created us and he has called us. He has saved us and he has called us. So bottom line is, if you are saved, if you're born again, you have been called. Amen. There is something for you to do. But far too often, here's what we do. We fail to follow the Lord's leading because of fear. Of fear. Now, we've talked about fear in here in the last couple of years, and fear takes a lot of different avenues and affects us in a lot of different areas of our life in a lot of different ways. But one of the ways is right here in serving God, in following God and doing what God wants us to do. We often, we fail to do what God wants us to do out of fear. And, and why do we fear? Well, the biggest thing with fear is this, is it's, we fear the unknown. 
You know, if we know what's going to happen, we don't fear that. If it's the things that we don't know. And I found this on the Internet. It says the fear of the unknown is easily explained like this. The mind tells us that in order to move forward, we must know what is waiting for us there. Because if I know, then I can control the situation. And if I don't know, then I'm not in control. And that's bottom line, really. That, that really explains a lot of this of why we fear in every situation or any situation is because of the unknown. But it's not really the unknown. It's the fact that because I don't know, I don't have control. I'm not in charge. I'm not the boss. And the problem comes in, then it exposes our lack of faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we really trust Him because He does know. So one of the greatest unknowns in Christianity is in this area of ministry, of serving, of submitting ourselves to the Lord. So why do, why do, we, why do we fear ministry and too often reject the call that God has on our life? Well, we're going to look this morning at Moses and this calling here, and we can see some things that I think we can learn from him this morning. So here in Exodus chapter 3, let's, uh, let's look there. We're going to read a few of these verses to start off. Chapter, one, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. We'll read through verse 6 here. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Median, Median, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a, burning, of, of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now that'll get your attention, won't it? I mean, it's one thing you're out in the desert and there's a, there's a bush on fire. You're walking along and there's a, burn, there's a bush burning. But then you look at it and the, the bush is burning, but the bush ain't consumed. You'd, you'd expect a whoof, you know, and it burns down and it's gone. It, the bush is burning, but the bush is there. The bush is not being consumed. That'll get your attention. And, and then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So he's, he's, he's intrigued and he's turning. He's going towards this. So, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now, note that here I am. I, I, like, the, the, I like the way the, the King James reads that. It says, here am I. It says, here am I. And you'll understand in a moment, it, it makes no difference to the message. Just remember that, the here am I. Here I am, here am I. Then he said, do not draw uh, near this place Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. What we write here, God appears to Moses in this burning bush. And so when Moses turns, you know, God doesn't force himself. Listen, God doesn't force himself on us. Amen? He will work and he will press and he will do all these things. But he, he does not force himself on us. He does not make us do anything. Um, but, but listen, just like right here, he will do amazing things in your life to get your attention. And if you've not had that, man, I feel for you because here's the thing. You probably haven't been looking. Because he does amazing things in our life in all kinds of ways to get our attention. He's like, hey, look, look here. That doesn't happen every day. Pay attention right here. Look. And so Moses is looking. He's got Moses' attention. And so when he turned, the Lord calls to Moses. And Moses answered there. And he says, and, and remember what he said. He said, here am I. Here am I, Lord. Here am I. 
Lord, I'm, I, I hear you. I see you. I'm here. I'm attentive to you. I'm giving you my attention. Here am I. Look at verse 7 through 9. God is now going to inform Moses of his plans, why he's here. Verse 7 through 9. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and, and, and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the, the Egyptians oppressed them. So it's, it's interesting as Moses is here and he's attentive to God and God is telling him, he's informing him of what he's about to do, what his plan is. And, and so Moses doesn't question this at all. He, he, he thinks it's a good thing and you've got to read this in color, okay? So I tell you all to read in color, so you've got to see it. So if you're a, a director, you've read this, now you've got to set the scene. And Moses is there and the bush is burning and God is talking to him. Here am I, Lord. He's got his attention. I'm here, Lord. And, and God is speaking to him out of the bush and you can see him looking at the bush. He's attentive to him. And God's telling him, look, I'm going down. I've come down. I've heard the cry of the children of Israel down in Egypt, the oppression and their pain and their sorrow and their cries to me. I've heard them and I'm going to free those people. And you can see Moses as he's shaking his head. Yes, Lord, that's a good plan. That needs to be done. That is, man, that is good. It's good that you're going down to bring them out, Lord. That's awesome. That's a good thing. You see it? Because you got to see it, because that's what Moses, he's not standing there going, huh? He's, he's engaged. He's listening. He knows what, and he understands the oppression. I mean, he's been 40 years in exile now because he was trying to stand up for the, for the children of Israel. And he, was, and he murdered a man. He did the wrong thing, but he's been 40 years now. And he's going, I've been saying a long time. And he said, that's a great thing, God. That's good. Look at verse 10. It's fixing to change. Verse 10. Come now, therefore, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He says, go, go, you're going to go and you're going to bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses is going, yes, Lord, that sounds like a good thing. Wait, what? 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 Hey, what? Now, how do we go from that to all of a sudden now I'm going, you said you were coming. And you see it. You see it instantly. There's this pause. There's a pause here with, 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 with Moses as God tells him, here's this great need. These people need you. They need me. They need you. And you're going to go bring them out. And, oh, that's a great plan, God, until he's the one that God's calling to do it. Now it's like, hmm, mm, how quickly his tone changes. Look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, now listen, a while ago he says, who, uh, here I am. Here am I, Lord, here am I. Now he says, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of, of Israel out of Egypt? Just a few short verses ago. Here am I, Lord, here am I. I'm here, I'm your servant. I'm here reporting for duty. Whatever you need, Lord, I'm here. He's, I'm, he's attentive. As soon as God says, you're going down into Egypt. He, now, now it's, uh, uh, who am I? Huh? Huh? You know, he's on board with God when God was going to do it. That was great. 
Moses even thought, you know, I've thought for a long time that somebody ought to do something. Well, Moses, you're that somebody. And God calls Moses, and Moses fears the unknown. Now, I relate. I'm going to just tell you, I relate to Moses. And even as I was studying this week and reviewing these things, uh, his fears here, I thought, wow, it it could be me. And many of you would say, this could be me because of his fears or our fears. Verse 11, go back and look at that again. We see here his fear, the fear that came from his own insecurity. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? There's insecurity there. You know, it wasn't about Moses. It wasn't about Moses. Moses is like, well, who am I? How how in the world could I do this? You know, there's a lot of eyes in that one sentence right there. God said he was come to bring them out, but he was going to send Moses to do it. So God had told him he's the one's going to do the work. That's what we oftentimes, we fail to understand that God's going to do the work. When he calls us to it, he's going to go before us. He's going to do the work. He's just using us to do the work. But there was an insecurity. I relate to that. Anybody else relate to that? I relate to that. There's a fear of rejection. Anybody relate to a fear of rejection? We fear being rejected. Verse 13 there in chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I, came to the children, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? He's like... Um, they're not going to accept me. They're not going to believe that you sent me to them. They're, 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 they're not, I, I just know they're not going to accept me. They're not going to believe me. They're not going to think what I say is true. And then verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, Now, he says this, and God tells him. God just goes along and reassures him that he's got this. He's in control of this. He's taking care of this. But look at verse, verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Moses answered. He's coming back to the Lord. The Lord just told him everything he's going to do. And now Moses' response is this. But, but, well, Lord, but suppose. Don't we do that? God tells us, hey, I got this. He gives us promises from his word. He gives us promises that we can hold to. And we go, but, but, but suppose, Lord, suppose this or suppose that. But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. But there's a fear there of rejection. He's, a, he's fearful they're going to reject him. Again, it's still, it's still about Moses. But there's a fear of failure or, or even embarrassment. Chapter 4, verse 10. <clears throat> then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Anybody relate to this? I am not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, I've been told I talk fast. But I'm going to tell you, I relate to Moses because I feel that I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And it's a, it's a fear of getting up and opening your mouth and nothing coming out. It's a fear of your brain locking up and not knowing what to say. I totally relate with, with Moses here. And, and to get up and uh, some of you would relate to this. You get up and you look out and everything turns white. Bob, you know what I'm talking about? I've been there, Bob. I understand. I pick on Bob because I, I, I know he doesn't want to speak publicly and that's fine. And, 
And I, and I understand that. And I, so I pick on him a couple of times. I shouldn't do it. It's really mean. And I, I joked with him about giving him a mic one day. And he told me later, he said, everything started going white. And I was just playing with him. So I understand, Bob, you understand. And I relate to that because, you know, but, but the only way I've been able to get through that is God called me and he put me in a place and you just got to go do what God calls you to do. You just got to do it. And well, you know, when God calls you, then you don't get scared anymore. Really? Um, I hadn't heard that. So I asked my pastor years ago when I first went into ministry, my pastor had been pastoring about 14 years at that point. And, and he was one, he'd get going, he'd pull his pants up like this. He'd get, he, he, his nerves before he got going and he'd get riled up and he'd get to going, he'd drink his pants, his pants would be up. And, and so it was fun to watch. But I asked him, I asked him one time, I said, so how long were you preaching? Because he always talked about, he said he used to get nervous and stuff. I said, well, how long were you preaching before you didn't get nervous? He said, well, you'll have to go ask somebody that's been preaching longer than me. I said, you don't get nervous. He said, oh, every time. Before I preach on Wednesday night, before I preach on Sunday morning, before I preach on Sunday night, I get nervous. There's those nerves that are there. Listen, it, it, it's there. And there's, so there's this fear maybe of a of failure or embarrassment or there's just the fear of overcoming what we, what, what, God made me. God make you. So however you are, he knows about it. And he knew, he knew the inadequacies I had. He knew the inadequacies that Moses had. And yet he called him to do this. He called me to do this. And he's called you to do whatever it is he's called you to do. So we have to overcome this fear of failure and embarrassment. There was a fear. Moses had this fear of commitment or of responsibility. And a lot of times folks just don't want to commit to something because, you know what? Well, that's going to, then I'm committed to it. If I, if I commit to it, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, then I got this responsibility hanging over on me. And look what Moses says. I'm just going to read what the ESV said because I like the way the translation of that's a little better. He says, but he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. That's what he said. Lord, don't send me. Send somebody else. You know, uh, that's fine. I mean, this is great. I enjoyed the show out here in the desert. This is awesome, seeing the burning bush. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Your presentation, Lord, was amazing. This was great. You almost had me sold, but send somebody else. I don't want to commit to this. We do that. We, we do the same thing, but he had that fear of committing to this. But let's look at how God speaks to Moses, how he works with Moses and assures him. Go back to chapter 3. Verse 12, he says, so he said, he said, the Lord said to Moses, he said, I will certainly be with you. Boy, that should have been enough right there. Now we see another chapter and a half. And isn't it amazing? There's two chapters here, basically two chapters of God dealing with Moses in his calling Moses to serve him and Moses dealing with him. That ought to be encouraging to all of us. That ought to encourage us. If Moses, who God used so mightily that we, we see Charlton Heston on the screen representing Moses and we think, what a great leader in all this. He struggled, folks. He struggled. And, and so it's okay if we struggle, but we ought to come to this place where we look at verse 12 and he says, I will certainly be with you. That's what he tells Moses. Moses at that point should have said, okay, Lord, well, if you're going with me, great. If you ain't going with me, I ain't leaving. But if you're going with me and you're promising you're going with me, that's good. It didn't end there. God goes on, verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. You tell them that I am sent you. You tell them that I told you to come down here. You tell them I am. That's the name of God. When they ask, what, what name is he? What's his name? You tell them that I am sent you. 
I sent. When they get mouthy, they want to doubt. You tell them I am sent you. You ever had that with your kids? One kid comes, they're fine, whatever. You, tell, you go tell him daddy said. That'll fix it, right? That's what he's doing. Chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, he promises, God promises to be with Moses' mouth. Verse 11, so the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? He's, and he's telling Moses, look, uh, who, who, Moses, I'm, who makes those other, who makes all the mouths out there? Who made those? Oh, well, Moses, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. Who made that mouth? I did. Now, therefore, verse 12, now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. He said, I made your mouth. I will be with your mouth. I will teach you what to say. I will tell you what to say. You're not going alone. I will speak to you, and I will speak through you. That's a great promise that God gives to Moses right there. But, but here's the greatest assurance that God gives to Moses. Moses, here, here's bottom line. Here, here's really what Moses wants to do. They're going to reject me. They may stone me. They may not believe. They may kill me. I mean, you want me to go before Pharaoh? He could have me killed right there. There's all these bad things. It's a long way to go. I've got to go through the desert. I might fall, break my leg, and get infection. I die out there in the middle of the desert. Lord, there's all these things that could happen. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be embarrassed. Then I'm committed to this. I'm away from my job here. I've got to go do this for you now. All these things that he's struggling with. And he's like, but the bottom line of that, Moses wanted to know, how's this going to happen? How's this going to work out? What's going to happen? Look what what happens right here, the assurance that God gives him. We go back to verse 12 in chapter 3. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign. The King James Bible says it'll be a token. It's a token. It's a sign. It's a signal. It's evidence to you that I have sent you. Here, here's your sign, Moses. You want a sign? Here's your sign. When you have brought the people out of Egypt... You shall serve God on this mountain. Now, that's a future promise. He didn't say, Moses, if you get down there and if you bring the children out, if you get through all those barriers, I mean, you're going to face a lot of stuff right there. But if you get through it, Moses, if you do, then maybe you'll make it back to this mountain and, you know, we'll see you then. We'll, we'll see. Hope to see you in six months. That's not what he says. He says, when you have brought the people out of Egypt. He, he already sees it. God already knows what's going to happen. And he's telling Moses, you're going to bring them out. I'm sending you down there to bring them out. You're going to bring them out. And when you have brought them out of Egypt, you will serve me on this mountain right here, right where I'm talking to you right now, you're going to be back here with them and you're going to worship me right here and you're going to serve me right here. Amen? Now, that's a promise. That's an incredible promise, man. That's something you can hold on to. And, and see, he doesn't promise him, he doesn't, God doesn't promise Moses that there wouldn't be hard, difficult, painful, discouraging, disappointing, challenging, what am I doing here or why am I doing this moments? But he did promise, you will get through this. You will lead them out. You will stand here again, and you will serve me and worship me on this mountain. What God told Moses was this. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. 
Don't worry about what's happening in the middle because this is what's going to be on the back side. You're going to bring them out. You're going to worship me on this mountain. You don't need to worry about all this in between. I'm with you. Mm. Folks, God has a plan for our lives, and yet we fear the unknown in our lives. We fear unknown, and I think it's a great fear we have for ministry and why people do not commit to ministry as these unknowns. You know, if I, if I feel like the Lord, if I, if I answer this call, I don't know where God will send me. What if he sends me to Timbuktu? Well, folks, I've never seen a missionary dragged onto an airplane. If God calls you to Timbuktu, he'll give you a heart for Timbuktu. Had a missionary friend that years ago, he was, I just met him and we became good friends through the years. But he and his family, he had about like an army of kids. They were getting ready to go to Argentina. And I remember asking him, I said, what is it like knowing you're about to leave home and go to Argentina, live in Argentina? How's, how's that feel? He said, no, you don't get it. He said, see, I don't feel like I'm leaving home. He said, God has given me and my family a heart for Argentina, and we feel like we're going home. We can't wait to go. Folks, that's how it works. That's how God works in our life. So when we submit to him and say, Lord, whatever it is, he'll give you that. He's not going to drag you off somewhere you don't want to go. He's going to give you a heart to go there before he ever calls you to it. What, you know, what, what, what will I do? What will I have to do? You know, What will they think of me? What are they going to think? How long will I have to do it? How long will I have to commit? Uh, you know, how much, how much time is it going to cost me? How much, how much money is it going to cost me? What, what's it going to cost in there? You know, why would I do this? Why, why should I do this? Why would he want me to do this? You know, we fear what we don't know. And like Moses, we fear the unknowns ahead of us in life and in ministry. And the Bible tells us this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> We shouldn't fear anything. And we've talked a lot about fear because going through the last two years and the pandemic and, and the stuff, the, the fear-mongering that has gone on, and we have, we have Christians all over this country that have bought into the lie that church is unsafe. We, we can go to... We can, and you say, well, lie, when's that been told? Every time they've said big groups and when they say church can't meet, but you can go to Walmart, you know what that says? That says church is unsafe. Walmart's okay. Big box store is fine. 5,000 people jumbled together. No worries. But you can't go worship together in church. It's lies. And we get caught up in the fear. We have to get over that fear. But there's the fear of serving God, of doing things in ministry. And like Moses, God has given us a great calling. Folks, I believe that the calling God has given us is far greater than the one that he gave Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. The calling he's given us in Matthew 28, 19, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what does that mean? For me as a believer, it may mean that I go off to some far-off country. That's what it may mean for you. It may mean visiting a neighbor here in Geneva. But I also believe it means serving in the local church, in the ministry right here, to further the gospel right here. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's an and both. Whatever it is God's called you to do out of here, he's called you to do out there. 
but he's also called you to serve right here. He's called you. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's called you to serve him. And it starts in the house of God. So it may mean that you go some way, some way, a long way away. And it may mean that you just minister right here. You know, like Moses, God has given us a great promise in Hebrews 13, 5. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He told Moses, I'm going with you. I'll certainly be with you. He's promised us the same thing. He promised us he'll never leave us, never forsake us. Folks, if, if we, that, may be my, that may be my favorite passage in all of Scripture because, because regardless of what we face in life, He is there with us. If you're facing cancer, He's there with you. If you're facing Timbuktu, He's there with you. If you're facing you know, a problem at work, He's there with you. If you get thrown in prison as watchmen needed and spend the last 20 years of your life in prison, He's there with you. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Whatever we do, he's with us. And like Moses, God has given us a sign. He's given us a token. He's given us this evidence, this proof as well. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's a promise that he gives us. So, folks, regardless of what God calls you to do, what challenges there are, what fear there may be, if he's called you, listen, he made your mouth, he'll speak through you. He, he, He made you, he knows what you're made of. And so when he calls you, he understands what he's doing and he's going with you. He's going to empower you to do what it is he's called you to do. He's with you. But here's what he said. Regardless of what you face, if it's in Timbuktu or if it's wrangling the the little ones back here in the nursery, whatever it is, I'll take Timbuktu. (laughs) And and listen, if we don't get some more folks signed up to help in the nursery and the preschool area, we're going to turn them loose on y'all. All right? What God says is regardless of what you face, here's where you're going to end up. You're going to be in heaven with me because I'm going and preparing a place. And he's been preparing a place now for 2,000 years. There's a, there, there, I don't know what it's going to be. And I don't, get, I don't get caught up in all the, well, I'm going to have a mansion in glory. Well, I might. And those scriptures tell us that. And I want whatever God wants to give me. I want it, folks. I ain't, I ain't so humble and pious that, oh, Lord, I would just give it away to some poor person. There are, you know, poor people in heaven. Quit being so pious. If he wants to give me a mansion, I'm going to take a mansion in glory. Amen? Amen. I'll ride my bicycle on the streets of gold. That's what he paves his streets with. We think gold's so great, and he paves the streets with gold. That's what we walk on. I, I'll take it. I'll take it. But the glory of that is I'm going to be with him. I'm going to be with him in his presence to worship him for all time. This life is so short. Listen, I had a thought. How many of you, let's, let's, let's check hands here. If you got a choice. Raise your right hand if you, would, if you would rather be raptured, or just raise that hand, if you would rather be raptured out of here than to die in life. Here, you'd rather die to get to You'd rather be raptured. How many would rather be raptured than die? 
Okay. How many would rather die? Then how many would rather die? You think, well, I'd rather die. I don't know if I want to be raptured. I don't, I don't know about that. That's a, some, see, now we're not scared of that, are we? It's amazing. We're scared of a whole lot of things, but I don't know nothing about the rapture. I mean, think about that, how weird that's going to be. That quick, I go from body, my body, boom, it's gone and it's glorified and I'm zipping through. What, I don't know what it's going to be like. I, mean, dun, 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 dun. I, I don't know. That's, I, I don't know what it's going to be, but we don't fear that a bit, do we? But here's a thought for you, and this has nothing to do with this. Here's a thought for you. The Bible says, you know, when the rapture comes, we're all that quick. We're with the Lord. The fact is, when I leave this life, if I die that quick, I'm with the Lord. So in a sense, it's a mini rapture. It really is. If we think of death that way, we shouldn't fear death. We're like, you know, I don't know what the rapture is going to be, but man, I hear the horn blow. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be flying and we're going to be, hey, man, isn't this great? But here's the fact. The instant we die, the instant we pass from life here on this earth, if, if we're a believer, if we've been born again, then we die. We take our last breath here. We take our first breath in the very presence of God Almighty. Amen. We shouldn't fear death at all. Now, I don't want to. There's ways I don't want to go, but I believe God would give us dying grace in that as well. Amen? We shouldn't fear. We shouldn't fear ministry. We shouldn't fear life. We shouldn't fear the summons or the call to be in court. We shouldn't fear the boss wanting to see us. He might fire us. We shouldn't fear anything in life. God's in control for a believer. So here's your sign. I'll be with you. You will get through this. You will be with me in heaven. You will worship me there. How, how can I uh, know it's all going to work out? Because he's already told us how it works out. We know the end. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear about the in-between here. In Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look, you start feeling a little anxious about something, pray. I don't know if I shared, I've probably shared this with you, but 1997, uh, the spring of 1997 was the first time I ever preached. And I knew months out that I was going to preach on a Sunday night in April, I believe it was. March or April, Gina, you remember this. And, and my fear was I was going to stand in the pulpit and open my mouth and seriously nothing would come out. And I knew this a few months in advance. I've probably never, seriously, never prayed as much in my whole life as I did those three months. And here's what I did. Every time, I held to that verse right there. Because every time I felt anxiety, I said, that's not of the Lord. And I prayed. Every time I felt some fear, I said, that's not of the Lord. And I prayed. And I prayed. And I prayed. And I prayed. And when I went up, God used my mouth. And it worked. And, and I don't know what I, I don't know a word I said, but he spoke, he spoke, uh, hopefully he spoke through me. Um, that was the first time. Now, it's a promise that we have. That's a promise we have if we have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need to do is surrender to serve the Lord wherever he leads. Where, wherever there's a need in the body of Christ, here and abroad, 
Church, I, I, don't, I think y'all can, would agree with this. I don't get up here and manipulate you to, to get you to serve. But the number of people that we have in our church, there should be not be a need in our church for somebody to serve. We as servants, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to be fighting to be engaged in ministry somewhere. There should be, you know, at the church that we used to be in, there was any time there was a need that was presented, there would be a sign up, there would be a list of people fighting to, no, no, I want to do that, I want to do that. Well, you got to go first last time, I want to do, you know, it was that kind of a mentality. And I, I, and I, and I don't and I won't try to browbeat people into serving. Simply teach what the scriptures tell us, that if we're saved, we're saved to serve. There, is no, there are no other options to that. As a believer, I am to serve. Now, where you're at right now, you know, your, your need as a believer may be, this is, my, this is church, this is our church, this is our church. But you're not a member. And you need to join here. You need to be a part of this fellowship. But it may be that the reason you, 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 you're not qualified to, to, to join, you're not qualified to serve, is because you're not in the body of Christ. You've never been born again. And so this morning, there's some, there's some things for us. Believer, if you're not serving somewhere, I just encourage you to, to pray about that. Because as a believer, as a child of God, God has saved you to serve. Jesus said it. I, you, your attitude ought to be like mine. I, the Son of God, did not come to be served, but to serve. I didn't come to be waited on. I didn't come just to come Sunday morning and be fed. I came to serve. Man, what can we do in this community if every truly born-again believer engages in God's ministry right here? This morning, I just I challenge you, if you're not serving somewhere, now's the time. Find that place. Find out. Just you got to let somebody know. Talk to Raymond, John, myself, Kristen, somebody. Let us know. I want to serve. Help me find my place. Maybe this morning you just want to come talk to God about that. Maybe there's some fears you have. Maybe some anxieties you have. Maybe some things, some, some reasons, whatever it might be. I, I want to encourage you to, to, to maybe come to the altar this morning and talk to the Lord about that. But this morning, you know, maybe, maybe you're not a member of the church. But this is home. I encourage you. Connect here. Commit here. Make this home. Commit to it. Be a part of it. This morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never trusted Him and Him alone for your salvation, I plead with you this morning to get that right with Him, to come to the Lord in repentance and brokenness, confessing your sin to God, acknowledging yourself a sinner that you need to be born again, and call upon the name of the Lord. If that's you this morning, I'm going to be here. We'll have some others that are available to talk with you. If you need to talk to somebody about salvation, we'd love to talk with you this morning. So Pastor Aaron, you and the team can come. This altar is open. I know there may be heavy hearts this morning. There may be things on your heart that have nothing to do with the message this morning. But this is, this is, these aren't stairs. This is an altar right now. This is a place for you to come and just, there is something, folks, I believe there's something about moving and coming and praying.
There's something to that. When God is speaking to your heart, and oftentimes we say, I'll deal with it later. And you know what? That urge is not there later. God's speaking to your heart. There's something on your heart. There's something heavy you just need to bring to the altar this morning. Then, then the altar is open. And I encourage you to do that, okay? Father, I thank you for this morning. And thank you for your word. I thank you for 